Blog Talk Radio. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with song of deliverance from my enemy.
Good evening, everybody. Welcome to God's Hour of Truth. I'm your host, Apostle Ed Eberly, and I'd like to welcome everybody here in the United States as well as around the world. Uh, before we go into the program tonight, let's ask God's blessing upon it. Heavenly Father, as we come before you tonight, we just want to lift up the name of Jesus and magnify that name. Father, tonight as we do the program, Father, I would just ask that you would give me the words to say, the words to speak, and Lord, that your anointing would be on this program. Your anointing would flow through these lines tonight into the hearts of the people, Father, and cause them to receive whatever they have need of. Just have your way in their lives, Father, because we know there's a word and a message and, and something for each and every person listening here tonight, Father. And I just ask you to move in a special way. Father, you said that your word will not return back void, and I thank you that it's gone forth now to accomplish the purpose you intended it to. And I thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' precious name. And he all said, amen, amen, and amen. Okay, tonight uh, we're going to finish the series. The series is called The Ball is in Your Court. The ball is in your court. This is part three. Uh, this series' purpose was to show you the Word of God with the purpose of you knowing that you have a part in it. In other words, so many people, so many Christians will look at the Word of God and they'll say, God, do this, God, do that. But it's not that way. There's a purpose in it. Uh, I used the model of Scripture kind of to explain it to show you where I was coming from. And you'll see it as we go along, those that haven't listened in the past two uh, messages. But it's like this. It's just like Colossians 3.15. It says, let the peace of God rule your hearts. Well, you don't say, God, help me with the, the peace of God. I want the peace of God to rule my heart. No, it's up to you to let it. You have to make a decision to do what you need to do to have peace. And the first thing you need to do is commit all things to the Lord, everything, every every need that you would have, everything that's in your life, any challenge that comes your way, you have to put it in his hands and get everything out of your hands and give it all to him and trust him to take care of it. And then automatically the peace of God will come into your heart, you see. But you had to do that. You have to give that to him, and then he will let his peace rule in you and, and be into your heart because these things that we ask for and are believing for require something for us to do for them to manifest, you see. It just doesn't happen like our osmosis. In other words, you can be serving God and doing things and have a lot of things in your mind, be troubled and even worried about things and say, God, give me peace. God, give me peace. Oh, Lord, give me peace. But that doesn't work. The only way God can give you peace is when you trust him for all things and do your part in what the scripture says about whatever your situation or circumstances you see. And that's what this is about. And, and I've uh, looked at many scriptures over this past, uh, well, it's been the third uh, week or the third time, the third part. Uh, first two parts are scriptures, of course, tonight. So there's many scriptures all together that are pertinent to your Christian walk. I've selected to use for this here, and there's many, many more because uh, I just want to see you all at the place where you take the scripture and now say, God, what is my part? You look at that scripture and see what your part is in this to make it happen, you see, because when you do your part, then it will happen. But like I say, many people don't do their part. They just take a scripture and say, God, help me, help me. But you have to read that and let the Spirit direct you and do your part, and then God 
already has done his part, and you'll receive the benefit of it, you see. You'll see as we go along a little more here tonight. Uh, for the first scripture we're going to start out with tonight will be Philippians 4.13, a very familiar scripture. It says, I can do all things. Uh, oh, by the way, before I uh, uh, read this scripture, uh, it might be a good idea. In fact, it would be a good idea if you would write these scriptures down and look them up for yourself and meditate on them and let them minister to you because uh, you can't get it all out of the message in any preaching or teaching. You need to write it down and go yourself and look at it and leave the Lord talk to you personally about it. This is a personal thing with you, you see. So mark them down, write them down, and, and go back and look at them, meditate on them, look at them, and just see what God will speak to you about them. Okay, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. That's a positive statement there, you see. You can do all things through Christ that strengthens you, but you have to determine that in your own heart. Yes, I can do all things that God tells me to do. I can do them. Anything he tells me to be or do or that I am, I am that. I can do that. I have that, you see. You have to determine that in your heart. See, that's your part of the bargain, you see. In other words, just saying I can do all things, and then when you're faced with something, you say, well, oh, I can't do that. That's too hard. That's impossible for me. See, you're not really believing it. When you believe that scripture, you are taking whatever challenge comes your way, whether it's to start a business, start a church, or uh, anything that you're you're called to do. Uh, When he tells you to do something, that means that you have the not only called to do it, the authority to do it, but he gives you the ability. But it's in the doing when you actually step out to do it that his power manifests and brings it to pass and makes it happen supernaturally, you see. He has supernatural power. You see, we can't really do anything. We need his power. We need his provision. We need his, his uh bringing the things that we need to actually accomplish it, you see. He, he gives us the ability to accomplishment through people, through finances, uh, through wisdom, through direction, through doors open, doors closed. There's many avenues that God uses for you and for you and I when we accomplish, go to accomplish something, you see. He provides what we have need of to do it. It's not in our great ability or lack of ability, but it's on him, when we commit ourselves to do something and ask for his help, then he gives us or, or enables us to do the very thing that he calls us to do, you see. So you must come to that place in your life that whenever he tells you to do something, uh, he might say, I want you to build a, uh, a church. And, uh, of course, uh, we're misusing many things. And uh, we'll say he's calling you to build a church. You say, well, I don't have $5. I don't have $2. I don't have a nickel rub together with another one but yet if he tells you to do something and you accept that challenge and you say yes lord i will direct me and provide the way for me make the way provide what i need i know i can't do it myself so i'm trusting you and i will do that help me O lord when you do that he will give you the ability and the provision to do it i've done these things myself before in churches i've started several churches i wrote a book I've done many things that I never knew had the ability to how to even do them. 
but yet I accepted the call, and God made the provision of the people, the finances, and everything I had need of to accomplish what he told me to do. It was over my head, you see. And most of the time, the things that God calls you to do will be over your head. But you just have to accept the call and the fact that God calls you. That means he's given you the authority to do it. I want you to do it. I've given you authority. I've commissioned you to do it. But then you can't do it yourself, which is sure. So, Lord, hey, Lord, I need the ability. I need you to help me do it because I can't do it. You're going to have to help me. And when you do that, he comes into the picture, and then it gets accomplished. Of course, he gets the glory for it because he does it through you, you see. We don't actually do it. Even though we step out to do it, we don't actually do it. It's his helping us and making the provisions, giving us the wisdom, the ability, the people, and everything we have need of to accomplish it. That's why he gets the glory for it, you see. It's not us. We're just a vessel. We have the significance of a pen with a writer. An author will say, like I'm an author, I'm a writer, uh, I've written a book and things like that. When I write, I use generally a pen, okay? Uh, in fact, uh, generally typing, you know, I'll type it. So let's, let's use it as typing right now. Okay, I, I type on a computer, right? And now that computer doesn't get the glory for, like the book I wrote, it doesn't get the glory for anything. I don't get the glory for it either. It was the Lord that did it. But this using is me like if I would be God. And my computer is the object that I use to accomplish the project. Then my the significance in that would be me as being the typewriter, and God being where I would be there. You see, in other words, when I do that, when I do something, I am no more significant than a typewriter doing the novel, whatever God wants done. You see, in other words, we don't do it. We are led by the hands of one that's typing that typewriter is God. And therefore, we're the typewriter, and we just do what he puts down there, you see. But we didn't engineer anything. We're just doing what he tells us to do. He's the one that's doing it all, giving the ability and the provisions and everything, you see. So that's why we never take any credit or any glory for anything, because we don't actually do it. He does it through us, you see. Or a pencil, if you use a pencil to write something down, the pencil didn't write the, the novel or whatever you're writing. It was the author that did it. It was the man, the writer. So, therefore, he gets the glory, so to speak, when they talk about somebody getting the credit for writing a book or novel or whatever. Okay, I think you understood stood that right there because uh, that's really your significance and my significance, and that takes the pressure off for you and I. Because what happens is when you're called to do things, many times it's above our heads. But then when we rely on God to do it, we know we can accomplish it. And we no longer put pressure on ourselves, saying, well, heavens, what am I going to do? How am I going to start? What am I going to do here? He brings it to you. He shows you how. Okay, let's move on from there. Our next scripture, Second Timothy 2.15. Steady to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We have to study to show ourselves approved of the word of God. Study, meditate on it, read it, uh, leave the Holy Spirit teach us. What does this mean to me? What does this actually mean? And when we do that, we're rightly, rightly dividing the word of truth because always look for the setting that the word's in. What, who's God speaking to? What's the situation? What's the setting? You, see? you have to look at that and kind of take the scriptures before that and after that and see where it really fits in. And that way you'll see 
what the inference was in that. And I look up the, the Hebrew, the Greek, and things like that to get deeper meanings, Jewish roots. It helps me to understand the setting in a greater way, you see. Uh, you can't take any Bible as a, like the King James. We use the King James that we use at face value all the time. You need to look those words up in the Hebrew. Now, it tells you basically, now don't get me wrong, it tells you the things that really what it said most of the time is, is it. But when you go into the Greek or, or go into the Hebrew, what happens is you get a deeper meaning, sometimes a little different meaning there. It gives you a greater understanding, you see. So this is what I'm telling you. You need to study those things. And you show yourself approved. You study to show yourself approved because when you know the word of God, God approves of that. He approves you. And actually, people will, too, because you'll get respect as you learn and know the word of God from most people that are, are students of the word of God. All right, Matthew 6.33. But see, you have to study, you see. You don't say, God, have somebody lay hands on you and say, God, I want you to anoint me that I understand the word and I know everything that's said. You can have somebody pray for you like that, but you yourself have to dig into it. You need to get into that word. You need to open up that Bible and read it. You've got to do something, you see. It just doesn't happen again like osmosis. It just happens because you ask it press so it's there there's things that you have to do to achieve it okay matthew 6:33 says seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you it says but seek first the kingdom who seeks first the kingdom of god you have to seek first the kingdom of god you have to put it first to see seek first and then his righteousness and the things that please him and then it says everything will be added unto you in other words god's saying put me first now, you must put him first. That means you put your flesh down. You have to put it down. You have to govern your flesh. You need to control your flesh. Say, Lord, help me here. I want to do what you want me to do. In other words, uh, we use this as an example. When Christ was at Gethsemane, uh, he had his will and the Father's will. The Father's will was for him to go to the cross. Jesus said, if it be possible, take this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. He submitted his will to the Father. So we have to submit our will to the Lord and ask him to help us to achieve that, to put him first, you see. Because Jesus shed blood there at Gethsemane, and that blood that he shed that dripped down his forehead there, that blood gave you and I the ability to have control of our will, you see. We have control of ourselves. We have to take control of ourselves. That's called temperance or self-control. We need to have self-control before we have God's control, you see. And, and temperance is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, you see. So you need to have self-control in your life there and putting him first because the things that you do, your flesh doesn't necessarily like to do. But you're not going to do what your flesh wants to do. You're going to do what God wants you to do. So you're going to say, flesh, shut up. You sit down. I'm going to do what the Bible tells me to do. I'm going to follow what God's telling me to do. So that is something we have to face. And that's something, it's a daily thing, folks. We don't just do that once in a while or one time. But Throughout the day, there's all types of things that come your way that you can either do what God wants you to do or do what your flesh wants to do, you see. Uh, somebody can do something to you, and you could pop them, what your flesh might want to do. Somebody says something wrong to you, you could jump right back at them and say something worse to them or whatever, what your, you know, what your emotions and your flesh would, would have you dictate to do. 
And that's why we have to be so careful, and that's why we must have control of this flesh that we watch our mouths, we watch our actions, and we have them subjected to the Word of God. We react, we react the way God's Word wants us to, not the way our emotions are leading us. And that's, that is the battle right there. That's the battle of the flesh, you say. And that's what we need to do in putting God first. We have to put ourselves down and say, I'm putting you first. And he tells us we can do that. He says in Romans 8, 13, it says, through the Holy Spirit, we can we can uh, put down the flesh. He said, we can, if we labor this way, if we if we go to do what God wants us to do, he said, the things of the flesh are put down or, or killed, put aside by the Spirit of God. He enables us by the Holy Spirit to put down our selfish attitudes and do the things that God wants to do. It's only through the Holy Spirit we can do this. He empowers us, you see. He empowers us that we can say no to our flesh. He's the one that does it. He says that in Romans 8, 13. Through the Spirit, we can do that. We can condemn the flesh. We can put it down and do what the Spirit tells us. Okay? Next scripture. But you see, as I read those two scriptures there, there again, you have to do it. You do it, and then you ask his help, and then he comes in and enables you to do it through the Holy Spirit. But you have to put your hand to it. That's the key, and that's the whole thing about these three uh, series right here, these three lessons, these three series, is you have to put your hand to it before he does. When you put your hand to anything, <coughs> excuse me, when you put your hand to anything and mean business, that's when God steps in. But if you're half-hearted at what you do and don't really mean business with God, he won't do anything. But when you really are serious with him, and he knows when you're serious, he'll jump in in a split second. Okay? Matthew seven twelve. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men would do to you, do you even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Okay, what does that sound like? That sounds like the golden rule, doesn't it? The golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You do unto others as you would have them do unto you. There again, it's your responsibility to do to others what you would like to receive from them. Do you want to be mean to them so they can be mean to you? No. You want to say bad things to them and they'll say bad things to you? No. You want to treat them nice and they treat you nice? Yes. You see, so what you sow, you reap. So, again, it's your responsibility to do something and to do the right thing. So, you see, this is a little bit deeper, this particular thing, because, you see, you can leave your flesh, get out of control of your emotions and do something to them. And according to scripture here, that's what you want. That's what you can receive back to you. You receive what you sow there, you see. And that isn't something you want to sow. If you sow something mean to somebody because your emotions carried you away in a in a uh, second, you know, when something happens right away, somebody just snaps and just uh, goes out of it. Well, what happens is that can happen to you, that same thing. So that's why another reason we have to have control of our flesh, that we won't be sowing bad to seed and then have a bad harvest coming our way. But we need to do the things that we want to come our way to others. We need to be what we want to be. We need to treat others the way we want treated. And this takes effort because not everybody treats you right, but the thing about it is you can't respond in a way that uh, would actually bring it back on you, you see, because we're tempted when people 
uh, treat us wrongly and really mean to us, we're, we're tempted to get right back at them or get you, I'll get even with you. Attitude, you know, that's the attitude of the flesh. And we, we need the Holy Spirit's help that we don't use that emotion to get even with somebody or be mean to people or do something we shouldn't do. So you see, it's a matter of us managing our flesh and having self-control. But having self-control and allowing the Holy Spirit to govern us to be obedient like that, to do the things that God wants that we can receive from him, you say. Okay, we're just kind of breezing along here a little bit. Oh, here's a, here's another one that goes really with Philippians 4.13. It's First Peter 5.7. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Casting all your care upon him. Okay, casting all your care. What are you troubled about? Is there something in your life you're troubled about? Is it your health? Is it your finances, your family? Is it your safety? What is bothering you? What is coming your way is challenging you? I don't, I don't call it problems. I call it challenges because these aren't problems. Finances, health, and everything is not a problem. It's a challenge because a problem, most people will just leave it, stay as a problem, say, I just can't overcome it. That's been a problem for me for years. But if you call it a challenge, Usually, most people will step up to a challenge if they if they have any uh, thing at all within them, and they're going to face a challenge. And of course, God wants you, God wants you and I to face our challenges by and with His Word that pertains to that challenge. If it's sickness, disease, by His stripes I was healed. You see, by His Word in First Peter two twenty four. Take the Scripture or Scriptures that pertain to what you're being challenged with. Obey them and do them. And you will overcome that challenge, you see. But don't leave your emotions try to overcome that challenge and feel like, well, I'm getting even. I'm getting my pound of flesh. Don't do that. Do the way the Scripture tells you to do. When you do that, you're going to, going to receive it God's way, you see. Okay. James 4, 7. Submit yourself to God, therefore to God, and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Okay. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. When you submit yourself to God, and that's not a once-every-week thing or a once-a-year thing, that's really a daily thing, because every day we better be submitted. We submit, we say, Lord, I give it all to you today. Live through me, empower me, fill with me with your spirit, strengthen me, help me to live this day, to make the decisions and do the things that you want me to do. Put it, put it on the form of God. And asking God to strengthen us and to direct our pathway because, you know, he has a plan for you for that particular day. Give me my daily bread. Just like, remember, the Israelites got manna when they were out, when they left Egypt. They got daily manna, didn't they? Ask him for your manna for that day. Your, your manna could be you need to do this, you need to do that. Somebody's going to come to you to do this or ask you this. Uh, you're going to uh, go to see somebody. That's manna, you see. I'm not just talking about food or finances or things like that, but he, he has your day planned out that he wants. The other day I had a real busy day. In fact, it was yesterday that I had all types of calls, all types of things to do, ministering and personal things and everything else, but that these things that needed to be done that day that I did that day, and God worked them out. So you see, you don't know what that day is going to bring, but ask him to give you that manna because you need to do that day what he wants you to do. And if you ask his help in it, you'll fulfill the day just like I did yesterday. I thought it was a very good day. 
because it was the way God wanted me to do it. You see, it wasn't what I wanted to do or when I wanted to do it, because he did it a certain way in a certain time and worked it out perfectly. So uh, you need to ask for that, because, you know, uh, the importance of asking for daily manna, remember that manna he wants to give you will say tomorrow, if you don't have that daily manna and obey what he wants you to do, take that step, whatever he wants you to take, that might have a major play in actually what will happen for the calling in your life down the road. That might be a vital step that you won't get another chance to make. A lot of times we say, well, if I miss a day, I'll get it tomorrow. Not always. There can be something to be here for us tomorrow. If we miss tomorrow, it might backdate that or maybe cause it for, to never happen. So we need to be serious about our daily walk with God. We're actually taking the steps we need to take because a lot of times we miss steps and we God doesn't skip a grade for us. He has us go around that block again. And did you ever have a feeling sometimes that, hey, I've been there before. It seemed like I faced this before. Well, you know what that is? We blew it the first time, so therefore he's taking us around that thing again. And he's going to take us around that until we pass it. And that's why it's so important that we get our manna and we obey that manna and do our part that we don't uh, spend uh, 40 years in an 11-day trip in the desert. That's basically what it was. Well, they couldn't get lost the way it was. So there's absolutely no call for that to be 40 years. It was them that messed up, you see. So we need to make sure that you and I are doing the right thing. So we need to take these things seriously. You know, we talk about things, things you hear them preached and taught about, but if we don't take them seriously, uh, we're just going to suffer the consequences. Where we're cheating ourselves out of the great things of God and a lot of things from God. I mean, we've all done it. I've messed up and not done what I should do and did wrong. And I did a lot of things and a lot of needless hurt in my life because I brought it on myself. But I've made my mind up to something now, and especially in this last hour. Uh, it's so serious and so important that we have to really be serious about it and really make sure we're in line and examine ourselves and make sure our hearts are right, that there's no unforgiveness, and, and make things right with God, make things right with one another. Ask God to strengthen us and help us and obey him. We need to get downright serious with God. This is the most important time that we'll ever live and we ever live, and it's getting more and more important uh, as we live daily. <clears throat> okay. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You resist the devil, first of all, there's, there's two things I'm going to say to you about that. First of all, the devil enters your mind with thoughts. Everything that comes to you, good and bad, it comes into your mind, right? The Bible says in Second Corinthians 10, 5, that we're to cast down all imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to Jesus. That means that anything comes in my mind if I'm rightly dividing the word of God and I know the truth of God and I study to show myself approved, I'm going to know, hey, this is from the devil. Hey, this is from God. If it's from God, I'm going to accept it and leave it come in. If it's from a devil, I'm going to cast it down. In fact, Luke 10, 19, and 20 tells me that I have authority over the spirits, over the devil. I have authority. He doesn't have authority over me, but I have authority over him. So that bad thought comes down. I'm not going to mess with it. I'm going to say, get out of my mind, Satan. In the name of Jesus, I cast you down, like Jesus did. He didn't talk to the devil when he was tempted those three times. He used the word of God, didn't he? He spoke what the word said. It is written. As it is written, it is written. So we use the word as it is written. It is 
name of Jesus, Satan, I cast you out. I don't accept your thoughts in the name of Jesus Christ. I serve the Lord my God. You see, you need to do that immediately. But when a thought comes in your mind that says you're going to be broke, you're going to lose your house, you're going to be sick, anything like that, second thought, just know where that's coming from. Just say, shut up, devil. I don't receive that. In the name of Jesus Christ, I cast you out. And don't think about it, because when you think about it or say things about it, that's when that thing grows. And before you know it, you're laying awake at night thinking about that, chewing your fingernails instead of going to sleep. So we need to cast that care upon him, anything that tries to come your way. Cast it out, first of all, and and uh, anything that tries to build into you, just cast that upon him. You know, By the word of God, by Jesus' stripes I'm healed, Jesus supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory, and leave it there. Don't try to take it back or even think about it. Consider it done. Don't give it a second thought. That's how you deal with these things, because things are going to come against you and tempt you to get fearful, to worry, to stop, to quit, uh, to hold you up, you see, to distract you, to get you off track. See, the devil doesn't have a chance against you and I, but if he can get us off track, then he does, you see. We're open game then, but when we're on the track of God, doing what he wants to do, we're going to get through things, and we're going to get through in a, in a perfect way because he can't do a thing about it because we're protected by God. We're under his umbrella, but we get out from under that, then we're in trouble, you see. We're in his territory. So that's another reason, you see. All right. Let's see where we're at here. Okay. The next thing, and this is James 4, 8, the next verse there. And if you notice, we said he will flee from us when we uh, cast a care upon the devil. He will flee from us when we resist him. And that's how we resist him. We resist him by force, by casting him out in the name of Jesus, according to Luke 10, 19, and 20. And according to 2 Corinthians 10, 5, we cast him down. We just speak it, declare it. He's down, you see. Then it says he flees from me because he knows, hey, I can't do anything about that. He used the name of Jesus, the word of God. I'm powerless against him, you see. And that, that's how you get him out of your out of your hair for a while. Okay, James 4, 8. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Draw near to him by prayer. You pray. You talk to the Lord. And you take the word. You start applying to your life. And that's how you draw near to him, because you're obeying what the word says. When you're obeying that word, he comes closer to you. He, he gets in the, the project, you see, because he knows, hey, he's obeying me. So, therefore, I'm going to get to him, and I'm going to direct him. I'm going to show him. I'm going to teach him. But you get closer to the Lord through spending time in prayer with him and obeying his word and asking him to be closer. Ask him, say, Lord, I want to be closer to you. Doing those things and ask, simply asking him also is what does it, you see. But it's through your obedience and in that word and prayer that we learn and we grow into this. And we ask God that we, we are closer to. We, we say, Lord, none of me and all of you is what I want for me to live as you, to die as to gain, to have that type of relationship. It's my goal. I want to be that way, Lord. I want to be your man. I want to be your woman, whatever the case might be. That needs to be really the biggest desire of our heart right there, to be your man, your woman, your boy, your girl, whatever it might be. All right. It says in here, next part of that verse, it says, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Well, we need to clean our minds and our hearts uh, with uh, things. If we know we're doing something wrong, we need to simply quit it. 
We need to quit it and ask God to help us with it. Because him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, it says in James 4.17, it's sin. So if you know you're wrong in something, take care of it. Take care of it. Don't procrastinate it because it's going to be a stumbling block between you and God. So for something wrong with you, something wrong with somebody, get it get it taken care of. You don't want to have any filters, anything between you and God that's going to mess you up. So get problems right. Have no unforgiveness. Have love in your heart. And then he says, double-minded, double-minded. Okay, double-minded is simply... Uh, one time saying, well, God will meet my needs. He'll help me. And then next time, oh, what am I going to do? I might lose my house. Oh, what am I going to do? Then oh, God will meet my needs. You're double-minded and you're fluctuating back and forth. God will take care of it. Oh, what if he doesn't take care of it? Oh, God, yeah, God will take care of it. Oh, what am I going to do? Well, this type of an attitude, you say. So our attitude, we need the attitude adjustment where God will take care of everything I have need of. God will take care of everything. I give him all things right now, all attitudes. I ask, Lord, that you give me love in my heart towards all people. Forgive me if anybody I have done wrong to show me, and I'll make it right. But I choose to forgive everybody and hold no grudges, no unforgiveness. I want to have a pure heart. In fact, he says in Psalms 51.10, create me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. And that's my prayer. Lord, create me a clean heart, Lord. Oh, create me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me, right spirit within me, a right attitude, uh, right reason why I do things. Why do I do this? Why do I do that? So I do it unto you, Lord. Have me have an attitude that I do the right thing, and what I do, I don't do for my own vainglory or my own anything. I do it as unto you, you see, because I can't be rewarded for anything I don't do unto the Lord. So I want to be in that, that place, that position with pleasing God, because when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to lose it all if it wasn't doing on to Jesus, you see, if we don't have the right attitude, if we didn't do it on to him. So I want to make sure I'm right down here, that I don't stand before him and go up with something the size of a house and come come back with the words something of a lead, size of a lead pencil, because we're going to be before everybody, before everybody, and they're going to see us. And that would be pretty embarrassing, wouldn't it? In other words, they look at Ed and say, well, Ed did it all unto himself, or he did it this way or that way, and I come back with a little reward. That would be sad, but yet it's going gonna, it's gonna to show up in the end. We can try to fool one another here and look good here, but it means absolutely nothing because when we get there for all eternity, we're going to be seen for what we are. So let's be real here. I want to be real here. I know you want to be real here. I don't want it to catch up to me in heaven when it's too late to make changes, you see. So we need to make sure we're right here before we pass over on the other side because there's no changes when we go on the other side, whether we are lost, saved, and or not saved and go to hell, or whether we're saved and we go to heaven and we miss the rewards, there's no, there's no adjustment. When you leave this life, that's it. That's it. You're, you're done. You see, you're, whatever you recorded, whatever is recorded then is where you wind up. And that's a very serious matter right there. And I want to wind up well done now, good and faithful servant. I certainly don't want to hear the other thing is, be rebuked for what I did. I, I want to look good before the Lord. And I know that's your goal, too. That needs to be all our goals, more than life itself. Okay. First Peter 5, 5. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Humble yourself under him, knowing who you are and who he is. 
humble yourself. And he said, if you humble yourself and you be who you are, what I want you to do, he said, I'll lift you up and I'll put you somewhere in due time. But that's a qualification. We have to start out humble, then he'll exalt us. He says in Proverbs uh, 22, 22nd chapter, I believe it's the first verse, uh, he says that through humility and fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Humility and humble. Humble yourself and through humility and the fear of the Lord, he said, we'll have riches, honor, and life. Humility and fear of the Lord, riches, honor, and life. In other words, it's all in fear of the Lord, which means honoring and respecting him and knowing who you are. And humility is keeping yourself in that place and not exalting yourself, but knowing really who you really are, preferring others before you, preferring him. When you take that low seat, he will give you the high seat. But don't you try to take the high seat because that, that you'd be embarrassed. In fact, the word tells you that. Those who take the high seat, you might be asked to step down, and that would be an embarrassment. So you have to leave God promote you. We don't promote ourselves. God's a promoter. No man's a promoter. Nobody's a promoter. Your boss, no minister, nobody. God is the one that blesses. He's the one that sets kings in order. He promotes people to positions. He demotes people. God is your boss. He is the big boss, and he has control of everything, you see. Your boss doesn't govern your future in a corporation. Your boss does not govern your future anywhere. Nobody governs your life or your future except you and God. It depends on you and God, you see, how you are, and then towards God, and then God will take care of it. See, that's God's business, not yours or mine. Okay? And every man that strives, okay, 1 Corinthians 9.25, every man that strives for the mastery is temperate or means have self-control in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. Okay, I talked about it a little bit before, but if you're striving for the master to be good at anything, you must have self-control. Give an example. You're going to be a sportsman. You're going to, say, be a professional golfer, Okay. That means if you're going to be a professional golfer, you have to do the things it would take to be a professional golfer. So, therefore, you have to have self-control. That means you you need to play a lot of games. You need to do certain things to golf. You need to do, do uh, this and that and other things that you might always not always feel like doing. Sometimes you don't want to do this or you don't want to do that. But your flesh will try to say, no, I'd rather stay home. I don't want to be out in the field today. Well, no, you've got to be out there practice. Or you have to do this, you have to do that. Because your flesh, if you don't have self-control, will talk you out of doing the things you need to do in order to get to become a master at it, you see. You can't become a master at it unless you have some sweat involved in it. You're not a master at anything unless you do have self-control, and you do what's necessary to become a master. That takes something of you and I. Uh, things are, don't, aren't just handed to you. You have to pay a price. There's a price to be paid for all that you do to achieve the top and everything, whether it's to be a great minister of the gospel, a great businessman, a great sportsman, uh, you name it. Whatever it is requires something of you, and your flesh will not take you there. Your flesh will actually take you away from it. 
God will take you there, but the way God takes you, if you don't have control of your flesh, God won't be able to take you there because you won't obey what God tells you to do. That's why we have to have control of ourselves first, that we'll do the things that God tells us to do, because if we don't, well, then we'll disobey God, that won't work anyhow. That's why we use Gethsemane, what Jesus bought us there was self-control. By that blood he shed, so therefore I have self-control because Jesus bought it in Gethsemane for me. And, of course, everything was in the cross, but this was one of the seven times he shed his blood. So, therefore, I have the ability to do it. In other words, I can't say, oh, I, I can't control myself. I can't, I can't help myself. No, I can't. Everybody can help themselves no matter what they're addicted to or what they're facing. Because Jesus paid that price at Gethsemane and on the cross. The only ones that don't get it are the ones that don't apply it. But he made the way. There's no reason why anything should overcome us or defeat us on this earth. Because he made a way of escape for all of us. But we have to apply it. We have to put it into our lives. We have to do it and stand on that thing till the manifestation comes forth. And that's the battle. It's the fight. The kingdom of God suffers violence, the violent take it by force. We must take these things by fighting them and spiritually by the word of God, speaking that word, declaring that word, believing it. And when we do that, then we're going to find out that we can overcome these things. But it takes a fighting effort in our part. And that's why a lot of people are not walking victoriously because they're, they're, they're like Barney Fife's in a Mike Tyson-type world. You've got to be tough. You've got to be like Rocky. Rocky, a rocky spirit that doesn't give up, but keeps going until you get that championship. A rocky, a rocky spirit. If you don't have a fighting spirit, you're not going to make it. You can't wimp out, or you can't be a fence straddler or a quiet, silent, so-called Christian. That's not going to get it these days. It's like a, you're either going to be a fighter or you're going to be destroyed by somebody or something. You, you've got to become a fighter. You don't have a choice no matter if you're going to make it in these last days. You don't have a choice. You can choose it to do the wrong thing, but the choice is you choose the wrong thing, you're going to go down the drain. Leave that sink in, what I'm saying there, because it's a fact and people know it. If you're not strong in the Lord today, because it's getting more and more challenging, but if you're in the Lord, you're going to come out like a king. You are a king. You're a king's kid. But we need to act like that. And we act like that. We believe our God is with us and we can do all things through him that strengthens us. We can do all things. The devil can't defeat you and he can't defeat me because greater is he that's in me than he is in the world. If I allow the devil to defeat me, he can, but I've got to allow it. The only time the devil defeats you is you allow it. You allow it. It's not anybody's fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. When, when you fail, do something wrong. You messed up. Admit it. Don't say, well, so-and-so caused me to do it. Now nah, that won't worship because when you stand before God, you can't blame your wife. You can't blame your husband, your mom, your dad, or your race, or anything else. These people make excuses because of this. I can't help it. I had it hard. I had it rough. That's not going to worship before God. And if it doesn't worship before God, I surely don't want to speak it here. We have, there isn't nobody in this world that has an excuse to be the way they are if it's not the right way. Some people have had it harder than others. That is so true. That is, I agree with that a thousand percent. But that doesn't give them, you, me, others like that, others like this, or whatever we might be, the excuse to say, because of this, I messed up. No, no, 
No, that isn't gonna that isn't gonna do it. But we're in a world that blames everything and everybody except themselves and doesn't take responsibility and wants everything handed to them. And that's the type of world we're in right now. But hey, that world's going to hell. Let's say repent and get it right. That world's about to face judgment on this earth before long if these people don't change. Judgment's going to fall upon these people, upon this government and a lot of other people. It's going to fall upon the people because God is headed up to here with this foolishness that's going on, this stuff that's going on and crazy things that they're doing. Uh, God is very angry, and I surely wouldn't want to be on the other side of God right now. My boots would be shaking if I was. I would want to repent real quick. Okay, I better get off that right there, but this is a serious matter, very serious. Proverbs 4.20. Okay, I'm going to read a few verses here on this. That, that's a beautiful, in fact, that's a whole message itself. My son, attend to my words, incline the ear to my sayings. Give attention to my words. Listen to them words. They're the word of life. Hear my sayings. That doesn't mean just hear out of your natural ears, but hear in your spiritual ears what I'm saying. Because it's in your spiritual ears that I speak to you. You hear out of your natural ears, but your spiritual ears are how I communicate with you. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep these words before you, that means. Don't let them depart from you and just allow something else to come in there. Fear to knock them out of your eyes, then you start to fear. Keep that determination, that faith, and that belief in God before your eyes. Keep it before your eyes. Don't leave something hits you and, ooh, 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 I'm afraid, I'm afraid. No, hey, my God is greater. Greater one's in me. Greater is he that's in me and he that's in the world. I cast you out, Satan, in the name of Jesus. You take that authority. You take that authority God has given you. Don't leave fear buffalo you and just take your eyes off the word you see and that's what the devil does he throws a an uppercut at you or something like that uh, and you're standing and then all of a sudden bang you lost it all don't leave him steal that don't leave him steal that from you what you do you maintain yourself and keep that word that truth before your eyes keep it in the midst of your heart in other words leave it be in your heart not just a head knowledge to be able to quote or know where it's at keep it in your heart that i'm a winner i can do all things through christ nothing can defeat me no plague will come nigh my dwelling i'm more than a conqueror through him have that rocky spirit that fighter spirit you have to be aggressive you have to be aggressive we're not we're not the blocking the punches of the devil we're not we're not just doing that we're, we're the offense, not just on the defense blocking things, but we're on the offense going forth and mowing that turkey down. It's time that we do that, folks. There's too many people leaving the devil, pushing them around, talking about the devil. I'm sick of hearing that junk. Shut up. Keep your stupid mouth shut when you do those things. That's stupidity. That, that, that's, really, that's really stupidity in doing that. Uh, that, that really is, is uh, oh, my it just brings reproach upon on uh, people. It hurts people. And the devil has just done that so much, and I'm really sick of seeing that, uh, things happening like that. Okay. For they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Life. That gives you life, health, healing, victory. That brings the light of God in your life and takes you above the clouds, above all this stuff that's going on in this world, these words will take you above everything. You have the joy of the Lord in spite of anything in your life. 
see, you can have that joy of the Lord no matter what you're going through because it does not depend on your circumstances of this world. It depends on your relationship with Jesus Christ. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. And that means healing to your body. That means healing to your body. Everything. When you have that word, and I have some testimonies I can give right now uh, that are happening. We've seen physically with people who are fighting it and some things that people were facing. I'm not even going to get into it because I know we're running a little low of time right here, and I have a little bit more to cover. But uh, I've seen people stick to it in the health and uh, and everything like that, and I've seen them walk right out of sickness and disease, and I've done it myself, and my wife is doing it and done it. And, uh, it, it works, folks. This isn't just a lot of talk and a lot of words to, to teach, because I've had 52 years of experience in this thing, and I've known a few things. I've seen dead raised three times, two people, my grandson once, another person, and, and, and through a brother that I work with, that we work in ministry, and some other apostles, we've seen a uh, resurrection of an animal. It was a greater thing. It was even greater than resurrecting the dead. It was a, uh, I won't go into the testimony, but it was a resurrection. So God has done phenomenal things. God has showed up and showed out in so many ways. It literally blows my mind, folks. The God that we're serving, and we're all just don't, aren't really where we should be by our faith, folks. None of us, including myself or anybody else I know, we all fall short to what our God is. We need to acknowledge him more for what he truly is. We, we're making him too little. We need to allow ourselves and really exalt him more and more that we get a greater revelation on God. Okay? Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from him. I, I, went, I went over that. Okay? Here, oh, here's another one right here. Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Well, I want to live godly in Christ Jesus. Amen. I want to live godly, but that's a promise. And that's something, it's a truth right there. That, that, uh, we need to live godly. We have to live godly in Christ. And how we live godly in Christ Jesus is found in Galatians 5, 23, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right, to live godly. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is the character of Christ, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Corinthians 12, verse 7 through 11, is the ability of Jesus Christ. That's how he operated on this earth. So everything Jesus did, I can do and you can do through these things. That's why they're there. Otherwise, John 14, 12, and he said that the things that I do, so can you do even greater things, wouldn't be truthful. Because if he did it as a God figure, I say, hey, I can't do it, Jesus, because you're God and I'm not. But he did it through the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, which if we do it through that, his power and now comes into us and the fruit of the gifts of the Spirit to accomplish exactly what he did when he was on this earth, you see. So it's through the Holy Spirit's power all these things are accomplished, but it's in the fruit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So, But through the fruit of the Holy Spirit is how we live a godly life. And when we live a godly life, we're going to have persecution come our way. So if you're out to be popular and don't want anybody to be against you and don't want to make waves, living a godly life is going to get you in trouble. So, But I tell you what, I'd rather live a godly life pleasing God than live a life that's not godly and pleasing mankind. Because when I do that, what's going to happen is, I in this life here, they might pat me in the back and everything like that, and, oh, you're a good guy, you're a good dude. What's going to happen when I close my eyes, you see? Hey, I want to please God because 
you never really please people because they might be for you at one time when you're doing the wrong thing, but then they're going to be against you and they're going to hurt you also. You see, the only safety we have and the only guarantee we have is obeying God, do what he wants, and leave the chips fall where where they may, and he'll take care of you. He'll take care of you. Don't worry about what people say, think, or reputation. I've passed that goal a long time ago. I don't care what people really think of me. I know who I am in Christ. I know what I can do. So I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I know who I am. So nobody's going to tell me nothing about that. I can't be told a thing because God has put that in my spirit. And that's how I, I can't be shaken on that. I want people to like me and to love me. I want them to respect me. I do. Don't misunderstand me. But I know who I am in Christ because he told me, and therefore nobody else, nobody can tell me anything. I can't tell myself anything, and nobody else can tell me because God told me. And when God says it, that's it, right? Okay. I have two more verses right here. Mark 16, chapter 16, verse 17 and 18. And we're going to close on this, okay? And if you are preaching and teaching the Word of God, if you're believing the Word of God, declaring the Word of God, whether you have reverend beside your name, whether you work at McDonald's, whether you're a businessman, whether you're whatever, this will work for you. Because whosoever will can do this, you see. This isn't a special calling. We have special knowings. I do. I'm, I'm an apostle. I walk in the five-fold ministry. Actually, all five of the folds I've walked in. But that don't mean a thing in the sense of the Word of God, because the Word of God not applied to apostles, teachers, or pastors. The Word of God, when it comes to applying that Word of God and for it working in anybody's life, is whosoever will work that Word will receive the benefits of that Word, you see. It's not for any special person. It's for whosoever will take my word and part their life, I will show myself to them, is what God would tell you. That's what he tells me, you see. So that's what it's all about. Now listen to this. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. 18th verse. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Amen. In my name, they shall do all these things, you see. In my name, in the name of who? In the name of Jesus, right? They will do these things. And you see, the things that Jesus did, the things that the apostles did, uh, things that you've seen other great men, women of God that you know of have done things that you've experienced, God wants us to do those things. He wants us to do those things. We should all be doing things like that. We should all be moving in the fruit of the Spirit for our character and the gifts of the Spirit severally as he gives them to us to do them. See, I can't claim any gift of the Spirit, but I do claim when it's needed, it'll be there for me. The year, you see, whether it's healing, miracles, discernment, prophecy. I've, I've walked through all the gifts of the Spirit, all the fivefold, everything that's on the there, I've walked through every one thing, everything I've walked through. But I can't claim a one. It's when it's needed. When it is needed, it's there. You see, I don't just pick it up and say, well, healing, I'll just do that. Uh-uh. No, no. Because the Bible says several is he gives it to me, you see. So if I own the gift of healing, I can go anytime, anywhere and do it. And I assure you, I can't. I can't go anywhere I want to go. There's times that I've went to places and did things that doesn't always happen the way I wanted to. And anybody else, I don't care who the minister is or was or will be. But I am saying this to you. 
in this hour, there's going to be a greater manifestation than there was in the days of Jesus. Was here, he said, the things I do, greater things shall you do. And we're we're starting to witness these things now, and it's going to get to a plane that the world is going to see the power of God like it's never seen God before uh, in the realm, first of all, of judgment on the evildoers, and then secondly, on the godly people that have been waiting for their needs and waiting for healings and, and for anointing. It's going to come upon God's people now like never before. So that's what we're in for right now. That's exactly what's going on, but we have to, uh, in the bottom line, assume responsibility ourselves and recognize the ball is in your court the ball is in my court it's up to us it's up to me if i want to be part of that remnant if i want to walk in that remnant if i want to obey god if i want to live for god it's my decision i can blame nobody if i'm not walking in i have no blame nobody to blame i can't blame god it's all me we're always 100 percent of the blame because if i'm wrong in that statement then I would ask you, if you say, well, you're wrong, Brother Everly, well, then I would ask you, when you stand before God, is that uh, if you uh, uh, didn't receive the Lord or if you did wrong uh, because somebody said it, do you think God's going to say, well, if so-and-so told you that or or you didn't uh, do this or that because it's their fault, I'm going to excuse you from going to hell. You can go to heaven. That's not going to keep you out of hell, is it? You see, we're without excuse. We're without excuse. I had a a revelation in closing now. I had a revelation uh, years ago. I don't know if I was in the spirit. I don't know if the, where I was, the third heaven or where I was. I've had several experiences like that. But I was standing before God making excuses. My mouth was moving to the speed of a machine gun. It was going <clears throat> with excuses, you know. You couldn't even speak that fast. That's, it was a supernatural thing. I mean, I don't speak that fast. I can talk fast, but not, nobody can talk fast like that. Anyhow, it was coming out, and I did it for a period of time. Then I, all of a sudden I stopped. I thought, this is ridiculous. I knew who I was standing before. No, I didn't see God, but I was in his presence, okay? And that presence was over me, and how I knew that, man, I have no excuse. It's all my fault. I'm a man of unclean lips. It's me. It's all me. In other words, that was it, a little bit like Isaiah. Woe is me, a man of unclean lips. And that's the place he took me to right there. And I knew that I have no excuse for anything. I don't know why. Maybe I needed to hear that. I don't know, which I, we all need to hear that because we have a tendency, if we're not careful, to blame something on somebody else or I didn't do this because you said this to me. You did that to me. Uh-uh. That don't cut it. There's no excuse for me to act or react in a god ungodly way. Never is, is there? So when you stop and think about these things calmly, you and I both recognize this. We all recognize this, that we need to do the things that please the Lord. We just need to do those things. It's only when our emotions get high. They get high when we're, our feathers are ruffled, something said or something done. That goes for me, you, or anybody else that we have the tendency to say and do the wrong thing. We have to learn and we have to stay with us and continue to lead the help of the Lord, that we respond in a godly way and that we act in a godly way. We act a certain way and respond a certain way. Our actions and our responses that we, we have need to be according to the Scripture. So we need to, a lot of time, we just need to stop and think. What would Jesus do type situation instead of leaving
our emotions carry us into trouble. Then I'm saying, I do that. I say, oh, Lord, forgive me. I said the wrong thing. I did wrong. Oh, God, forgive me. That's what I do sometimes. I've done that. And you all have, we all have done that, folks. But we need to get better at this thing right here down. And uh, when we do this, God will help us, and he's taking us that. We're going to be without wrinkle and without spot because God is going to zap it on us. But we need to be doing our part right now to become the best Christians that we can, obeying the word, leaving the word work through us, and doing the things we need to do with his help, with his help. Now, you can't do it trying to do it yourself, but he can help you. Now, I'm going to close in prayer. Right now, I'm going to pray for each one of us here. I'm going to pray for you as well as myself, that God will help us all to be the man, woman, boy, girl, whatever it is, to be what he wants us to be. Because it says in Philippians 2.13, it's God that works in us to will and to do of his good pleasure, of his good pleasure. So, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this message tonight. Lord, I know it's a message not only for this audience, but also for me, too, for everybody, everybody. Everybody should hear this, no matter who they are, because it applies to all of us, Father. And, Father, I would ask you right now in my life, in the life of all the hearers right here, that you would do Philippians 2.13, that you that works in all of us to will do your, and to do your good pleasure. I'm asking you right now, I'm just releasing by faith the anointing for myself and for everybody else listening. That anointing would penetrate us all and give us a new unction, a new desire, a new motivation in our hearts, in our minds, Father, with a stirring, stirring up that gift within us, Father, to do and to be what you've called us to be, that we are exactly what we were called from birth, before birth, before we even created what you called us for. I want that to be done in my life and every life that hears my voice right now. I pray that prayer room, and in the name of Jesus, I declare it done right now. And every life, every person hears this right now. Receive, receive that, receive that prayer in the name of Jesus. And I speak all sickness, disease, all demonic activity, all generational curses, all curses, any negative forces. Right now, any darkness in your life, I command it out in the name of Jesus Christ. And I speak the anointing of God to hover over you and to come through you and your household like a mighty wind, a mighty wind. A mighty wind driving all forces of sickness, disease, poverty, lack of anything. It's it's not of God out of your life right now. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, yes. Okay, everybody. That'll be it for the night. And uh, I was going to announce something before uh, the program started. Uh, Next, well, two weeks from now, I'll be back because I'm on the... uh, the second Tuesday and the last Tuesday of every month. And the second Tuesday uh, next month, which will be the second Tuesday, I have a guest coming as a, a powerful uh, man of God. God worked in this man. Well, his testimony is what it's going to be. And, and the things that has been incredible, things that uh, God has done in and through his life, it's just incredible. Some of the things that we've known him for many years. He's a friend of my daughters, both of my daughters, my wife and I, and everything. And I'm really uh, anxious or really looking forward. I won't use the word anxious. We're not to be anxious for anything. But I'm really looking forward to his testimony here. And I'm going to have him here two weeks from tonight. 
So I want to invite you all, and, and it's going to be a different testimony, different than the I've known even to be on Reaching Out Radio International. I, it's possible it could be something maybe similar, but it's going to be a little different than most that I've seen even on the network since uh, Vanda's Field has had it. So uh, it's going to be a special night. So I want to invite you all back, and I'm going to uh, ask you all to listen to this tape again, to look up these scriptures, and just leave the Holy Spirit direct you what uh, he wants out of you because it's about what God personally wants with you. We have all have different callings, but it's up to us to get hooked into Jesus and for him to direct our life. That's why I don't direct your life. I direct you to Jesus Christ because I know the Holy Spirit is very capable of directing your life, and I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm just a vessel, that's all. But I'm directing you to the Holy Spirit, the one that knows what to do. Because I go to that same feeding trough myself leave the Holy Spirit feed me. So I'm looking and doing the same thing that you're doing. We're all doing the same thing. I don't care who you are, what you are, or what you were. Everybody does that ever lived because we're all drinking from God's fountain. We're drinking from the well of God. Okay? I love you all. You have a blessed uh, week here, and we'll see you, Lord willing, in two weeks. Love you all. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.